broadcasting system and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We take you now to Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Testing, testing, testing. All right, I've got big lines. That's why I'm so quiet in my headphones. Uh, all right, if you can slide yourself in there. And I will pull up the movie. Well, that's your own doing. I got hit in the head by a microphone. At least I didn't get shot with a prop gun. Yeah. 2000. Oh, jeez. You saw that? Yeah, and they're looking yeah. more and more into it. The crew used to take the prop guns. Apparently, they're real guns, but they're loaded with... You know, with blanks. blanks, yeah. But the crew used to take the prop guns, because they're filming in the desert, Yeah. Uh, during downtime or break time, and do shooting with oh live ammo. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, so... Terrific. Um, you know, then you would unload the live ammo and put the fake ammo in again, but I guess sometimes that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, no, this is, this is actually the, 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 the death by, are, are you doing something to the mic there? Yeah, I'm du- there's a dust spot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, that's going to sound wonderful uh, in the audio. Um, yeah, this has happened a couple of times before, yeah. uh, most notably, uh, what, with Bruce Lee's son? Yeah. Which is terrible, and like I don't understand the point. Like, it's fake. It's all fake. It's all pretend. It's all fake. Computers, like, with none of the backgrounds in the Star Wars prequels is. This is a terrible example. But if we can afford to make like whole planets out of computers, why can't we just do the bang bang out of computers? Um. I just budget. I don't, yeah, no, it just pisses me off. Budget. Like, yeah. I already don't really like guns. Like, I tolerate them in my fictional media because it's fictional. Also, you know, space wizards aren't real in real life, so I might as well enjoy something fictional. But, like, they, you know, just props, flashbangs, uh, uh, lights coming at the end of the gun to indicate when they're pulling the trigger, nerf guns. I don't know. I don't care. Make it safe, goddammit. <laughs> On that note, Dad, how are you? I'm fine, how okay, are you? Good. This week, we watched the 2005 Steven Spielberg, The War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. What did you think of The War of the Worlds? Um, good production. Tom Cruise always has lots of action and stuff. Oh, boy. Although, for some reason, he was stupid in this movie. I'm not really the, sure. The first, like, 20 minutes of this movie is just, before any of the sci-fi happens, it's just Tom Cruise is a bad dad, the movie. Yes. Like, that's, like, you were even saying how slow it was at Yeah, it's first. Like, like, you know, the okay, aliens? I'm watching this, you know, for action and for aliens and right. blow-up stuff. I'm not watching it for <clears throat> for uh, Tom Cruise's sob story. You know? Well, I mean, much like we did uh, last year, the 1938 radio Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, that starts off relatively slow with just like radio uh, uh, musical sequences and news broadcasts interrupted by 
you know, a thing crash landing in New Jersey. Yeah, uh, but I mean, they spiced it with that, and and, and you knew what was coming. Yeah, it's also with, only an hour long. Yeah, with with Tom Cruise, <laughs> it was you know uh, all oh, this uh, whiny, oh, whiny junk. And this movie is basically what kind of killed Tom Cruise in the popular culture. Really? Up until um the uh the 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 Mission Impossible movies okay. kind of brought him back with the whole idea. So the the War of the the, the War the, the, the Mission Impossible movies, especially starting with like what's it called? Like Ghost Protocol or something like that in 2012, are basically marketed nowadays on the idea that Tom Cruise is a lunatic and he will climb the Burj Khalifa. He will cling to a jet that is taking off. Yeah. He will yeah. do all of these absolutely psychotic things. So you will watch these movies. This movie, which I kind of love, honestly, mostly because I just love the War of the Worlds story in general. Right. But this movie was completely overshadowed by the uh, press tour that Tom Cruise went on promoting this movie. I don't know if you remember this, Dad. No. Way back in 2005, he had just gotten into a relationship with, um, I can't even remember her name now. Katie Holmes, I want to say, just got into a relationship with Katie Holmes. And on the press tour for this movie, he lost his mind. He was jumping on Oprah's couch. He was he was really promoting his ties to Scientology, which I don't know if you oh, know I, anything about. I remember about. the Scientology yeah, stuff, yeah, and, yeah. Which, which made me uh, think a lot less of yeah. Tom Cruise. Uh, excuse uh, that for... For any sincere, serious Scientologist, but well, what the I hell are you doing? Yeah, I don't like, okay, there are ghost aliens that live yeah. in your body, and that's yeah. why you feel bad. Yeah. Like, the the main thing, I, I think most people, what they know about Scientology is based on what they saw in a South Park episode that came out around this time, which actually, I looked it up myself, I took the... Um, the Thetans test or whatever it is, because you can find them online. It's kind of hilarious. What's it's that? Like, to see if you're a Scientologist? It, it, no, to see if you need Scientology. Oh. They're all questions like, do you sometimes feel disconnected from your surroundings? Do you often whistle just for the fun of it? And it's like, it's yes, no, no strong opinion. My favorite one was, do you often find yourself with no strong opinion. Uh, <laughs> no strong opinion there, sir. Um, it just, like, it's, it's, it's every stupid, like, which Disney princess quiz are you blown up into a religion. And to me, the scariest thing about Scientology, besides the fact that they have a private prison and they have infinite money because they have all of these insane celebrities that they've basically blackmailed into being Scientologists, my least favorite thing about Scientology is it's one of those weird cults that managed to survive into a new generation. The founder passed a while ago. And it's still going. It's still going. It's still going. Uh, my ex actually had to do a research project on Scientology and attended one of their gatherings. Cool. And it was just like, I could get into it, but it was one of the most insane things I've ever heard described to me. Like We should, we should go. We should, which, uh, uh, we'll bring eggs to yes. throw. Or, or we can just really commit to the bit and get really into it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so 
the uh, 38 War of the Worlds, it was made during the time leading up to uh, uh, World War II. Um, it actually starts with, yes, it is now 1939, made in 1938, and peace was throughout Europe, and people were getting back to work. And this movie, the 2005 movie, was one of the first big, big, big Spielberg productions made after September 11th, 2001. Yes. And this really tries to, especially in the opening, like, 40 minutes or so, really hammers home the uh, uh, imagery from that day the people running through the streets yes. covered in dust yes that you dust. think might be people people dust yes people dust i mean one of the opening shots of the movie is like manhattan without the towers yes like i mean i've been to new york recently and okay yeah there's still no towers but there's also now whatever it is the freedom tower is that yeah. what we're calling it i, I don't i don't know yeah. okay that yeah. sounds good liberty places in philly whatever it is you know um, Freedom Fries Tower, uh, Patriot Pagoda is in New York. I don't, I don't know. I get, I, I, you probably remember this too, but like the weird patriotism that turned pretty quickly into nationalism. Yeah. I think following 9 11. Um, yeah, I never saw so many American flags. <gasps> I mean, we got a big one hanging up at work, and I'm just like, every time I see it, I think to myself, oh, thank God, I forgot what country I was in. Yeah. Like, if we were in Europe, where you could, like, sneeze and you're in, like, you've crossed the border into yeah. another country, I get that. America, you can drive for eight or ten hours and still be in Texas. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it takes, like, what, six hours to just get across Pennsylvania. Uh, it's just, like, why? Why? You see all those Jeeps driving around with the flags hanging off the back? And I'm oh, like, yeah. I have, like... Okay, so now I know where to get kindling during the cold nights of the winter. I'm just going to go to, like, a car dealership and grab a flag. Yes. There's just too damn many of them. So did anything stand out to you with this movie in particular? Or? Um, okay. So the – well, you know more about the original story, but oh, – yeah. in, in the original story – like, were the aliens already planted in the ground and then... That... Or not, not the... The way I saw the movie, the spaceships were planted in the ground. Yes. And then the aliens came down on those lightning strikes and were blopped into the spaceship, I guess. That is a wholesale invention for this movie. Okay. The idea that the Martians seeded the Earth, yeah. quote-unquote, with their ships millions of whatever, however many years ago, wasn't made exactly clear before we got here, right. essentially. And the idea that they rode down in the lightning into the ships, complete fabrication for this movie. Okay. In the 38, in the uh, original, uh, what is it, 1898 novel, um, they come down in these giant, basically, it's not like a ship, it's basically they're hollow bullets that just slam into the Earth's surface, and then the lid up top unscrews, unscrews. and the tripods come out. Okay. Now, I did love the tripod design in this yeah. movie. Yeah, they're that huge. was pretty good. They're terrifying. That they're, was pretty good. They've kind of got like noodle limbs. All those just tentacles and stuff. Oh, terrifying. All those tentacles. Um, okay, well, that's <clears throat> one thing. Okay, so that's one thing. Right. And then <clears throat> they all land, right. and then they start coming out, and they mm -hmm. start blowing up stuff and chasing people. All of a sudden, 
people are like um like way more reactive like if these aliens came today right like we'd be worried and scared and afraid and helping each other and taking care of the neighbors and stuff like that all of a sudden everybody was turning against everybody else well it, would be, it was I mean, like it was like what what would happen like weeks later or even months later right i thought yeah. like they hurried everything up it, it does speed up the process of kind of what happened after yeah. 9-11 like i don't think you see any racial profiling in this movie or people getting padded down at the tsa no but <laughs> but you do get like i mean honestly my favorite part of any of these horror movies is the bit where like you forget about the zombies or the whatever and man is the real monster okay like that's the whole selling point of uh the tv series the walking dead yeah like zombies like after the initial horror of it just kind of become background noise and like a means of making the season finale a bit more propulsive everything else is just really infighting between the people yes, not trusting people. one another mm-hmm. Um, there's the whole sequence where they've got the only functioning car because, of course, Tom Cruise's character is the only idiot that knows how to fix fix this a car. Specific, yeah, yeah, nobody else does. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like the EMP, I do love that they have to set off an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, in this movie because cell phones and cars weren't a thing really in 1898. Yes, so you have to have an excuse. Be, yeah, you had to bring it up to speed. Yeah. yeah. Like, even even in 38, it's all done over the radio, so everybody still has just radios and yeah. stuff. But it's no so, TVs. Yeah. it's so much more limited in terms of information getting out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there was, I want to look this up real quick about the war of the war. All right. So the plane ca- uh, crash. I love this. Um, so they actually bought a, I'm just going to read this. Uh, I want to say, yeah, this is Universal Studios in Hollywood. Um, uh, 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 this area in the studio tours, uh, backlot tour, whatever it is, is occupied by a huge outdoor, uh, airplane crash set built for the War of the Worlds, directed by Spielberg. Uh, a commercial 747 aircraft was bought by the production and then chopped into pieces, transported into Universal, where the full set has been left fully dressed as it was during filming. Wow. It cost the studio $60,000 to buy the decommissioned 747, but then they had to transport the thing, which cost over two hundred thousand oh, dollars. So, like, out loud. even though like the movie definitely made back its budget and everything, I think it made like what is it, like six hundred something million dollars on a hundred and thirty-two budget. Uh, yeah, six hundred and three million worldwide at the box office on a hundred and thirty-two million budget. Like, they like needed this thing to keep generating profit for them because it was such a huge undertaking. So hey, we can go visit I that would, plane. I crash, would go. I would right? go see it. I mean, it's a little bit disappointing that you don't actually see the plane crashing, but <laughs> I get it. The whole idea is that you're you're seeing this. They do what they do mostly during the book and then during the radio production, which is you're mostly seeing this story out of the eyes of a couple of nobody. Exactly. Essentially. And by nobodies, it's pretty loose. Like the book does take um 
departures to talk about how, like, Her Majesty's Royal Navy, because, of course, this is happening in, in, in England okay. uh, in 1898. You know, the center of the universe in 1898. Yes, well. Um, and uh, it takes departures to talk about how the Royal Navy is fighting these monstrous beasts. And <laughs> then in the 38, you get the radio broadcasts of, like, the the... The, the chatter from the airplane pilots trying to take down the, uh, the, the tripods. In this, it's pretty much entirely point of view from Tom Cruise. Yes. There's no big majestic shots of, um, monuments being torn down. No, it's really, you're right. Yeah. The, one of the biggest effect in the movie really is like the front face of a church in Bayonne, New Jersey, just kind of falls off. Yeah. And it's cool, yeah. and you feel like you're in it, but the real star of the movie is just being chased by these giant tripods. Exactly. Which I love, personally. Um, very, very, very different from the other War of the Worlds movie we saw uh, earlier this year, Independence Day, oh, right. which is all monuments and yeah. all heroes. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think Tom Cruise interacts with the president no, in this he didn't. movie. <laughs> no, he didn't inter- interact with anybody. It was, it, you know. it, was, it was him, his kids, and uh, Tim Robbins as the, uh, the, the guy in the basement uh, during the back half of the movie. Exactly. Oh, which... That was creepy. Oh, God. And like it's all, that sequence in the basement, it's not really beat for beat, but it does the same things that the radio play does. Like as uh, Orson Welles is wandering north from Grover's Mill to eventually get to Manhattan, I think it's in Newark, New Jersey, he finds just a random lunatic who was like, <laughs> I want to say he was like an uh, an artillery man or something like that. Okay, yeah. Um, who happened to survive and was just driven a little too crazy. A little too far. By, yeah. uh, and he's talking about how we're going to learn how to take over one of these tripods and hey, we'll turn it against the Martians. We'll turn it against the men. We'll rule the earth. Yeah, okay. And that's kind of what Tim Robbins' character is doing in this movie where he's just like, we can come at him from underground and take him back. And it's just like, mm, you're a psychopath on a suicide mission, sir. So, so, um, <clears throat> how did they figure um some something all of a sudden they could shoot rockets underneath and that would oh wait wait well, wait, 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 realized... wait first first of all the, the, all these things had a shield yes. where you could shoot a rocket at it but it would it would be blown up on on the shield and it didn't hurt the right, uh, exactly. tripod so but then all of a sudden the tripods didn't have the shield so i think the idea is that um obviously this the 38 the novel Independence Day, even the idea is that the aliens are kind of taken down by a virus, albeit it's a computer virus in Independence Day. Right. But, so they're but not. That's what dropped the shield. You I think? guess the idea is that the Martians got so sick they like couldn't maintain their systems okay. anymore, and that disabled the shields. Because all of a sudden, you could affect. Them. <laughs> they and did have to because our uh, because modern day weaponry has advanced so much. They did have to borrow the idea of these force fields from Independence Day. So I also love the idea that all War of the World stories just kind of feed off of one another. Okay. So like this this movie is very much still based on the 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 radio play, 
um, more than anything else, I think. It's set in, like, Jer- uh, middle of nowhere, New Jersey sort of thing. Um, they're, they're trying to just escape north, more or less, although in this case it's to Boston, although... Now, didn't, didn't the, like, the, the thing erupt underneath the ground of New York? You don't really see much of Manhattan at all, besides just that little opening, like, establishing right. shot and everything. But I think it is implied that the Martians are, like, laying siege to... Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, then you get the idea that the Martians planted their tripods, you know, millennia ago. So, like, they didn't know that Manhattan was okay. going to be yeah, the center of... Ma- yeah. like, um, uh, uh, if you remember talking about it from last year in the radio broadcast, they chose Grover's Mill, New Jersey, almost purely at random because they needed something relatively close to Princeton to make the story work with, we need a guy who works at the observatory to be close enough by and Jersey. I want to say it still is. Um, but in 1938, it was the most densely populated state in the Weird. Union. Weird. Well, I mean, hey, okay. it's a, yeah, yeah okay. like people come into like New York and they need someplace cheaper to live. Hey, there's Jersey. Jersey yeah. uh, and it's close enough to New York that yep. you can commute there, I guess. Yep. Um, yep. But they they had to do a lot of legwork with like uh, uh, the shields and everything. <laughs> what did you think of that? Um, the penultimate sequence where Tom Cruise and Dakota Fanning get taken by the tribe. <laughs> oh no! Oh, we were we were oh, having a ball with god. that. Oh my god! Okay, yeah. So they take take him up, put him in little cages. Yep. And then I guess the alien grabs one as a snack. Uh, yeah. Periodically, the, the idea is that the Martians they like uh, uh, no longer have to eat food. What they do is they literally suck blood out of humans or whatever and inject the blood directly into themselves. Okay. To and, feed. And, okay. And that's how they got sick so quickly, I guess. But. Okay. The, 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 al- the aliens, well, <laughs> the aliens. it was like a being, you know, like an actual, you know. Uh, we we do see thing. the aliens yeah. at one point and they're actual, the they're, they're shaped like the tripods, which I enjoy. Okay. They got the big flat domed heads and the three legs and. And the, uh, um, but it, when it was sucking Tom Cruise up into the <laughs> ship through that right. orifice that was just disgusting. It's the, the space, the tripods just got a big butthole. Like, that's it. It's right. just a big Is it the tripods thing. butthole or the actual <laughs> alien's butthole? Well, it I, wasn't a butthole. It had to be like, Sucking it in for for nourishment. So, <clears throat> oh, but is that the thing it peed from too? What was that? All that that I, yellow yellow I, stuff I, squirting I, out. I don't like. I don't pretend to know. Yeah, waste lubricant. I guess I, I don't. Yeah, we I don't. squirt all that yellow stuff like, out. I do appreciate how they don't explain too too much in this movie. Like, okay. I love that stuff. I know you don't really. I'm no, sorry. I mean it was just the 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 thing that it was sucking him in and spitting him out of. Right. It's basically or they pulled like him out. It was like organic. Just, it just was technology. That, was that like a an entrance into the ship or an entrance into the alien? I think it was an entrance into the ship. I think the okay. ship has, like, underneath the metal exterior plating, it's got, like, it's an exoskeleton, essentially, okay. for the the meaty okay. uh, uh, organic that they use to pilot the craft from the inside. Okay. Um, yeah. 
And it just happens that Tom Cruise is getting sucked in and then some guy just happens to grab his arm. Right. To pull him back out. Right, right, right. I mean, uh, that was... I mean... That was uh, I think it's one of those... I think it's just one of those Hollywood conceits that you have to accept. Like, you want to see the hero make it to the end of the yeah. movie. And of course, Tom Cruise had grabbed... No, if, if Tom Cruise got sucked in and never came back out, that'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so long as Dakota Fanning makes it, we're yeah, fine. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. She was terrific. Yeah. And then right. they... Uh, the the two hand grenades inside, then that blew them up. So then they thought they could blow up these things, but then all of a sudden they started dying on their own. Right, exactly. From the single-celled organisms in our water supply. And they did make a big deal out of that one drinking all that water that was leaking out of the street or something yeah. like that. It kept slurp, 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 slurp. I've slurp, lived slurp. on Earth my entire life, as far as I know. I still wouldn't drink random water coming out of a pipe in a basement, dude. Yeah. You're just kind of asking for it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess somehow those microorganisms um, got them sick or yep. they couldn't tolerate them. Oh, because we evolved with them, we could tolerate them, but... Uh, because I mean, you eat para- you eat microorganisms all the time. And, well, yeah, you know, and it's food yogurt. and water and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's yo, yeah. Um, but that just was uh, a disgusting. It was disgustingly funny. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like him, him getting sucked into that orifice and then him getting pulled back out. They should have made a big <laughs> pop sound. <laughs> You know, cracking open a cold one with yeah. the boys. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I think that's basically everything. A couple other things I wanted to mention. So um, I think I mentioned last year when I was in Grover's Mill for the 80th anniversary of the broadcast, okay. I actually saw the uh, lead role uh, actress. Uh, Anne Robinson leap out of a black SUV to take uh, from the 1953 movie. Oh. Leap out of a black SUV to take some pictures with the monument. Jump back into a black SUV. Very disrespectfully drive over the park lawn. I thought there's a parking lot right there. I don't know who's driving, but like, come on. But apparently, uh, Anne Robinson, who was the lead in 53, and Gene Barry, who was the uh, uh, D- played Dr. Clayton Forrester in the 1953 movie. They play the grandparents at the in Boston at the very end of the film. Oh, yes, yes, So yes. they get a fun little cameo. And, and then this, I didn't realize this until I was looking at the Wikipedia. So um, he's working at the dock, I want to say, in the sequence when they're all trying to get onto the ferry in the yes. middle of the movie. David Harbour... Your boy who plays uh, um, uh, Hopper in Stranger Things. Oh, cool. Has a tiny little minor role in okay. this movie, which is adorable. Okay. Um, I love seeing... He pops up randomly. Yeah. He didn't really strike it big until Stranger Things. He's like randomly an FBI agent in yeah. a James Bond movie. I love seeing him pop up. It's terrific. And, um, um, another question. Why wasn't Boston trashed? If I guess if they seed planted these ships... Then they didn't know there was going to be a Boston. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. you know, Boston was like, oh, they get there and it's like, oh, it's all nice. We're fine. There's yeah. nothing going on. Yeah. Um, I can't, it's like the inverse of what happened to Boston in uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Okay. Where, like, the entire Fenway Park two-mile block radius was just melted, essentially. Yes. Trash. <laughs> uh, talk about destruction of landmarks in a movie. Yeah. Um, 
the, uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, so obviously you've got Orson Welles narrating and as the lead actor in 38. How do you... Well, Orson Welles is dead in 2005. How do you up your game from Orson Welles? Oh, Morgan Freeman plays Morgan the narrator Freeman. in yep. this movie. He's saying almost beat for beat, word for word, the exact same things from the radio broadcast, from the book. Uh, very little deviation between those things and no more than swarmed in a drop of water it's yes. just like ah oh, fabulous i'm still gonna put orson wells in this episode because it's like tradition at this point you go ahead that's just me uh anything else you wanted to mention no I it was basically fun done good, good excitement cool. lots of lots of blowing up uh lots of cool oh the um we started talking about the tentacles on these on these tripods. The tripods. Yeah, the eyeball tentacles. Oh, yeah. Uh, the grabber tentacles, they were they were the scary part. Mm. And they just and, kept looking and, for people and looking for people and, and looking for people. The heat rays just instantly vaporized the humans into dust. And Except you had a good laugh. <laughs> for their pants. Well, and their shirts, clothes. But it's mostly They're, the pants except for their that clothes. You yeah, you know, like what, what, what the hell is that about? Because the clothes are organic too. They blow out the human, yeah. and then the pants just and clothes just fall out of the sky. My loose theory is that, and again, this is just sci-fi techno babble nonsense. But my idea is that in the original novel and the radio show, it's a heat ray. I guess in modern day, it's a microwave beam that, like instantly evaporates the water content and i guess like you know your khakis don't exactly have much water content in them but uh that's the best i could come up with i mean i guess even your bones you would know this better than i do i mean your bones have marrow in them you're you're, if you nuke them fast enough living bones actually have an awful lot of moisture okay yeah yeah yeah. so there's there's the calcium when you dry it out it's a hard dried mineral but and the other minerals, but I don't know. yeah, they, they are quite, quite liquidy. Liquidy for an extra horror effect. I guess I would have liked to seen some like fake teeth or something yeah. plop to the ground, yeah. or a couple pieces of skull, you, a couple of you, bones. You do get thrown off a little bit because there's just you know pants raining from the sky yeah. at one point. Yeah, wow, uh, uh, hilarious. Um, dead people, hooray! Um, okay, so I think that's about it. A couple of things. This episode drops on the 29th. Of course, I am going to be in Grover's Mill the evening of the 30th. If you want to stop by and visit and uh, see me dressed up as full Orson Welles, complete with opera cape, because why not? Of course. Um, uh, Other than that, next week, I want to say they told me it's the 3rd? No, the 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 3rd is Wednesday. Okay, so I'm pretty sure... They told me that the episode drops on the 3rd. I did a guest spot that I recorded last weekend on the Disenfranchised podcast on the movie Dune from 1984, directed by David Lynch. And oh boy, uh, we I wrecked almost single-handedly, their longest episode ever record. <laughs> so um, so go ahead and give a listen on that. On the third, I, after this, have to go record a song that I promised them that I would do for the episode and get that sent over to them. So, so uh, go listen to the Disenfranchised episode. I was on their Van Helsing episode back in, like, January, uh, where we talk about... Uh, movies that never got past the first movie that were nice. planned to be a big series, 
never made it past the first movie. Okay. Um, and Dune is because the new one just came out. Um, it's a whole thing. Uh, other than that, I am Muscle Nerd Studios on Instagram, uh, HD Lickner on the Twitter. Uh, thank you to Dr. Sean Monahan for our theme song, to Paul Taylor at WopsySquare.com for our artwork. Dad! Uh, fall is here. Fall is here. Election Day is next week. Make sure you vote. Um, and I would suggest you vote blue no matter who, yeah. uh, because... Sorry, Republicans, you're just effing nuts, okay? Yeah. You're just out of it. You, you don't belong where you, where you think you do. Um, and be good to each other. Clean your room. Be good to your mom. Tell her that the dinner she made makes tonight is great. Uh, and um, see ya. This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen, out of character to assure you that the War of the Worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be. The Mercury Theater's own radio version of dressing up in a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Starting now, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all your garden gates by tomorrow night, so we did the best next thing. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and that both institutions are still open for business. So goodbye, everybody, and remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight. That grinning, glowing, globular invader of your living room is an inhabitant of the pumpkin patch, and if your doorbell rings and nobody's there... That was no Martian, it's Halloween. <laughs>